Good morning and welcome to Car Thoughts with David. Thank you guys so, so much for joining the show, for listening, for taking time out of your day to listen to what I have to say. And thank you to everyone who supports the show and listens every day. If you're new to the show, the show is called Car Thoughts with David, and you may initially be thinking that I'm talking about cars, which I do mention my car. But the primary idea of the show, where it came from, is I was reading a book called The Creative Curve by Alan Gannett, and he talked about how we have a lot of times our most profound uh, aha moments when we're in places where our mind and body, our conscious, is kind of taken up, you know, by doing a task like being in a shower or when you're driving in your car and you're like, oh gosh, when I get to where I'm going, I need to write this down right away, that type of thing, right? So I had this idea, like, hey, that would be really awesome, and I bet you no one's doing a show called Shower Thoughts. So (laughs) after trying that, you know, I was like, eh, well, you know, that could be, or trying to think through that, you know, I was like, that could be kind of bad because the phone could slip and it'd get wet and all that. So, um, you know, instead of killing my, my iPhone, I decided to go with Car Thoughts. It seemed like it was a lot safer, plus I generally talk in my car anyway, talking through ideas and and things that I come up with throughout the day. So, uh, Car Thoughts it was, and that's how the show became to be known as Car Thoughts with David. I try and do as many of my episodes uh, in the car, as well as my interviews whenever possible. Um, Thankfully, I have a pretty active uh, schedule, so I'm usually in my car a lot, plus I drive quite a bit for work, so here we are, in the car. We're all in the car together. We're going to take this journey Uh, to entrepreneurship and taking the first steps in overcoming those things which make us afraid that we shouldn't, right? So that's been pretty much my mission on the show is to tell people that, hey, I'm just a normal guy. Um, And I stepped out of my comfort zone and started doing stuff like putting out videos, writing posts, writing a blog, sharing stories, teaching people about, um, you know, how to overcome these things. Uh, I started, you know, building up a following, uh, attracting people to me who were interested in what I was doing. Uh, my blog post turned into a passion for writing. My writing turned into a short story or a series of short stories and writing about my life. And people would reach out to me and say, hey, you know, you really inspire me with your writing. And these are people I've never even met before. Um, And in time, you know, that creativity just kept building. And that, that, um, you know, those ideas started coming to me more frequently. And those opportunities started opening up. And people, over time have offered to help me do some pretty incredible stuff, and I've been able to help some people do some pretty incredible stuff, so that's what this is all about, it's a journey of self-discovery for me, but at the same time, it's me showing you guys that, hey, if I can do it, anybody can do it, you know, there's not some kind of magical formula, you don't have to have the right last name, or the right bank account, or you know, the right dollar amount in your bank account. You just have to be willing to step outside of your comfort zone and do something that 
is not normal. You know, networking with people, talking to people, sharing your story, listening to theirs. Um, and we have all of this great digital technology available to us where we can reach that on a global scale. I mean, if you think about it, in less than 100 years, you know, we've went from, you know, being able to only reach small groups of people with radio to larger groups of people with radio, uh, communication via, you know, well, if let's go over 100 years then, uh, telephones were invented, you know, uh, um, Morse code and, um, you know, using, uh, gosh, what are those things called, the little type things where they tap on them and send messages across the country, I don't know why can't think of that. Um, but anyway, you know, you've got all this communication that started where you can reach very limited people. You know, we've had books for thousands of years in some way, shape, or form, but um, really to be able, but only, you know, certain people could have access to those things. You know, people that could afford it, you know, to send a telegram, you know, it was pretty inexpensive and a lot of people used it, but you paid per letter. Because you had to have somebody who was skilled in um, sending a telegram. So, you know, it was kind of a thing that a lot of people didn't write long-form messages. You know, that was just not really done. So, you know, it was what it was. And, you know, and then, of course, we got telephones, radio, um, and television, and all these formats were still great and brought communication to the world, but it wasn't accessible for the common people. You know, you had to be on radio. You had to be a radio broadcaster or an actor. Uh, to be on television or on movies, you had to be a, a, a movie star. You had to be a, an actor. You had to be someone who was in theater. You know, to to do these different tasks, you had to be somebody, you had to have some kind of skill that made you stand out over everyone else, and generally speaking, you had to be in the right geographical uh, location. Like, for instance, if you want to be an actor now, and this has been true for a long time, you know, you always see these stories where like, yeah, I want to move out to LA and become an actor. That's because that's where the largest chunk of movies are made. Uh, in the United States, and if you want to be somebody, you have to be around those people. You know, you have to be in the mix. You have to be there where someone points and says, "Oh, you know, these people over here look like a good group for this this film," and you're standing there amongst them. So you have to go there. And in today's society, in the last decade. Those constraints aren't necessarily as um, hardwired. You know, granted, if you want to be in a huge movie, yes, you do have to generally make your bones and go out to Los Angeles or, or go somewhere where there's a large filmmaking community and get into it. You have to show up. You have to take every possible, um, you know, audition that you can. You've got to practice your craft and you've got to keep working at it. But the beauty of today is, is that there are people that have been in movies that got famous 
because they used their cell phones. You know, like look at like Grumpy Cat. I mean, for instance, I mean, internet sensation. You know, everybody on the planet has probably seen a picture or a meme of Grumpy Cat at some point in their life if they've been anywhere where there's like a gift shop or a bookstore, you know, because, I mean, I see him, well, actually, I see her, sorry, I see her everywhere, um, you know, and literally it what came from um, a guy posted a picture of his sister's cat, Tartar Sauce, on Reddit, and from there, memes were invented. That grumpy cat tartar sauce is actually the first meme. So, and yet, grumpy cat has been flown all over the world, makes appearances. Her face is on millions of products around the world. She's been in movies, um, you know, and all because of proper marketing of a product, proper marketing of something that anybody can do. This guy took a picture of his sister's cat, posted it on Reddit, and said, yeah, my cat, uh, my, my sister's cat always looks so grumpy and mean or, or upset or something, and from there, history was made. You know, who, who was this cat before? It was just this dwarf cat that had a really bad underbite that made it look like it was perpetually frowning. Um, but, you know, that is something that can happen in today's society. That's something that can happen with people. I mean, look at, look at some of the, uh, the reality TV stars. You know, how did they get their start? You know, things like that. So, you know, these are all things that anybody can do. If you've got a cell phone and access to the internet, uh, which if you have a smartphone, chances are you've got access to the internet. And, you know, there's free Wi-Fi so many places the world, um, you know, it's not like you exactly have to go out of your way to even pay for internet if you're willing to stay at a coffee shop or, uh, you know, a bookstore or, you know, just about anywhere, Walmart, (laughs) the library, um, you know, there's just about an endless supply of places where you can get reliable Wi-Fi to put out your content without actually paying for it. So, you know... This is a time where anything is possible. You can publish a book. And on the interview I had with Chris Kluse, you can publish a book on Amazon for zero dollars and zero cents. They'll let you publish anything. Now, granted, that's not always a good thing. And sometimes self-publishers are looked down upon because there are terrible books that are published because of the fact that you can publish a book for nothing. And there's no, like, liability or checks on it. But at the same time, that is brilliant because it opens up the world for anybody to write a book. And you guys have heard me say this. If you're new to the broadcast, you haven't. But I believe everybody has a book to write within them. Whether that book is, you know, a life story, a fiction novel, a nonfiction novel, a memoir, whatever the case may be, a joke book an ad-lib book. I don't know. Everybody's got at least one book in them to write. I honestly believe that. And you might say, well, there's so many books out there. Why would someone want to read my book? Well, I'm going to tell you something that one of the most profound statements I was ever told by anyone, and 
this guy has went from, you know, rock bottom, you know, in the, you know, this party life because he was, you know, not happy about his life and what was going on and had these perpetual issues to being one of the most ridiculously incredible endurance uh, runners and fitness people that I have ever met. And he told me on a call one time, and I will never forget this for as long as I live because it so changed my view of writing, that no matter how many books have ever been printed in history and will ever be printed in the future, your book, you know, is different from everyone else's book. And it deserves to be out there just as much as anyone else's. Don't think just because there's so many science fiction novels out there that your book doesn't deserve to be put out there and published and shared with the world. And, I mean, it just blew my mind because I was just sitting there thinking, like, you know what, he's right, you know? My book's not out there. It doesn't matter how many there are. Mine's not out there. And that changed my whole perspective on it. I went from, you know, I hope it gets picked up to I don't know if I can do this to, you know what, screw it. Even if it doesn't get picked up by a publisher, I'm going to self-publish it anyway. And of course, in the interview with Chris, he also talked about near the end where he was talking about how the book's gotten so much notice that a publisher actually reached out to him to pick it up and actually publish it and get it out in a higher distribution level. So just because you self-publish, if your book is good enough and it draws enough attention and it makes enough noise, people will take notice and they'll be like, hey, wait, we made a mistake by not listening to this guy we need to put this book out so you know things can happen you know and that's the beauty of self-publishing because even if it doesn't you can still self-publish books I mean there are people I know I met a a, a woman recently uh, well not in person but through LinkedIn Um, she's published over 200 books on uh, Amazon 200 she said she's she's just she's always loved writing and she decided to start compiling her writing, categorizing it and compiling it and putting it into books. And she had, when she did all of that, she had over 200 books that she had written. And then she put them all out. I mean, that is amazing. Um, and she's been a huge cheerleader and, um, and uh, you know, encouragement to me along my process to get out there and keep going and, and get everything taken care of. She even told me that I should self-publish uh, regardless and forget about trying to talk to a publisher and figure that out because I have the creative control over my book uh, when I self-publish it. Whatever I actually have written in the book is what actually goes into the book. Nothing gets cut out or changed. Um, so with that being said, you know, I'm still talking to a or trying to talk to a publisher, but I'm not, like, pursuing it to the point where it's a deal breaker, like, oh, I'm not going to put the book out, I'm looking at self-publishing primarily, it's just more out of courtesy at this point, um, you know, just to, to see if it'll happen, but beyond that, it's like, if they want to uh, mess with me on it or cause any waves, uh, because the way I write or anything like that, I'll just be like, that's fine, I'll just self-publish, it's no big deal, and, I mean, because I've got to get the book out, I've got five months 
until I've got to actually have a display table full of copies of my books. Five months. I mean, the way I'm looking at it right now, you know, I might very well have to uh, take like my tax return <laughs> and buy copies of books, you know, or, or something like that, just so I have the the extra copies because I don't know how well this thing's going to sell. I've never in a million years thought that I would write a book, like actually do it, and I can guarantee you that I never thought that I would do it and then be presenting that book and be sitting at a table at a convention to share my work with people, and heck, I mean, that opening up for me has also prompted me to maybe even consider trying to, like, get into the uh, local Charlotte Comic Con and see about that. I mean, it is a science fiction novel. You know, so I think that might be kind of cool. Sell the book there and see what people think. You know, so um, that would be that would be an interesting concept. Um, and one thing that I really enjoyed—I'll tell you guys a little side story about this—is um, went to a little pop-up like art event um, in Charlotte, and mostly we went because um, our favorite coffee shop, uh, Queen City Grounds, was providing the coffee for the event. They were there. So we went to support them, and of course we walked around and looked at the stuff, and we found some really awesome, awesome um, local-made, Charlotte-made sunglasses, and they do prescription glasses as well, and they're sustainable, recyclable, um, high-quality materials, and they're just really good sunglasses. And the one thing I love the most about them is they're not owned by Luxottica. So um, we ended up buying a pair for my wife of those. I plan on getting a pair myself. I just wasn't uh, wasn't quite sure which pair I wanted. And I was like, ah, you know, I'll go to their shop or whatever and get a pair. So no big deal there. And I like supporting local. So we're there. And... Um, my wife and uh, the guy who kind of creates most of the actual um, coffee drinks for Queen City Grounds was there, uh, Dylan, and he, they were talking about owls because uh, he actually used to volunteer at the Charlotte Raptor Center as well. So they were talking about owls, and um, I think there was an owl on the table, like a little one dressed up in Christmas attire or whatever. So... They start talking about it, and he says, yeah, the general owl, you know, is kind of, you know, and I was like, oh, so, you know, the general, what about the captain owl? How is he? And, you know, what about the lieutenant owls and the private owls and things like that? We start laughing, and I had told him a little bit about my science fiction novel. He's like, dude, you should totally, like, somehow figure out a way to work in Captain Owl into your book, right? So in the book, I actually, in the chapter... One of the characters is reading this comic that is called Captain Owl. And so I not only put Captain Owl in the book, but the creator of the comic book series is Dylan. And so I got to share that with him. He's like, dude, that is so awesome. That is the most awesome thing. When the book comes out, you know, I'm going to literally tear that page out and like frame it somewhere here in the store. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I was I used his, his full name and it's... I, his middle initial too and I said you know initially I was just going to say you know your first name last name and I thought about it and I said a comic book fan would know your middle initial and would proudly call you by it and would you know it'd be like you know hero worship almost so 
you know, that's what I wanted to do, and he was super excited about that. And I, I try and add things into the book that I experience in life, you know, to kind of bring a more human character to it. Uh, though everyone I've that have, has read the book so far and has read the the story so far has been really, really impressed with it and say it's a great world to be in, and they really enjoy the the characters and everything. And um, you know, I've actually named six, seven, seven or eight characters in the book. I've actually named it after real people I know. They're either people that have read the book or people that are, um, you know, have contributed something to the story, like like uh, Dylan. And, um, yeah, so, I mean, it's really cool. Uh, I, if you guys heard the interview with Kristen Pruitt, she's actually in the book. Um, she's one of, she's the communications officer on the ship. And, um, yeah, so, you know, there's just a lot of, a lot of really cool stuff there that I've just added in where I'm like, you know, these people appreciate what I'm doing. They, they are really liking my work. I need to be kind to them and show them that I appreciate them for being fans of my work and put them in the book because I needed character names, right? And, I mean, you know, it, it's like the first part of the book, the character names are just random. I just came up with names. Uh, but when the actual... And these characters are people that, you know, are not as important to the the, the story. So I could go back and I could rename them and give them actual real people's names of people that I know... Um, but at the same time, um, you know, they're not as integral to the whole story as others, so it doesn't need to necessarily be real, whereas the people that are important to the story are all based off of real people that I know, um, and that will be the theme going forward. Every character will have a real person's name or something. Every major character will be somebody that I actually know. They'll have some kind of a purpose. And, you know, all in all, it, it I think it'll work out better because I have a personal tie. I know who these people are. I am trying to do my best to pay homage to their personality and their characteristics um, as I can and to grow the story to build on, you know, this universe. So, you know, that's that's the idea right there. And, I mean, this applies to everything. I mean, if you're doing a video, if you're doing, um, you know, if you're doing video, if you're doing a podcast or whatever, you know, make it your own and take things that are real, that are really happening and tell those stories, you know. And that's what I wanted to do with, with Captain Al and with Dylan, he came up with the idea, like, you should totally put that in your book. So I was like, how am I going to introduce a character? Because we kind of were making fun that it would be a superhero and all this. So I was like, how am I going to introduce a superhero into my book named Captain Al? And um, how would that show up in the book? How would that get there? So... You know, that's how I integrated it, was that one of the guys on the ship is actually a fan of that series of comics. And, um, you know, I thought it was a really neat idea. So, you know, just take ideas and work with them and see how they work out and try them. I mean, what's the harm in adding those things to your stories, you know, sharing those stories and, and building on that and, and showing people that you're grateful for the, the input that they give you. 
<clears throat> so, you know, that is, um, you know, kind of what I was going for there. And, you know, that would be my advice is just go out there and, and make sure that you're telling your story in whatever medium works best for you. If you like to write, then write it. If you like to talk, then talk about it. Start a podcast. If you like to get in front of the camera, or better yet, if you don't like to get in front of the camera and you know that you want to go outside of your comfort zone, get in front of the camera, do videos, start a YouTube channel. It doesn't cost anything but time. You know? And who knows? It could go somewhere where you never thought it would go before. I mean, I guarantee you all of these major YouTube stars, the people that you watch that have millions of views on YouTube, I guarantee you every last one of them started with no viewers and just started filming stuff and never saw it coming that they were going to, you know, hit it like they did and be as successful as they were. So by all means, go out there and start something new. Try something new. Make that first step. You'll be amazed at the results and how it will change your life. So with that, Car Thoughts out. Hey everybody, David here from Car Thoughts with David, and I just want to share some information with you. You guys have heard me talk about finding your way, finding your path, and starting your journey. Well, if you have decided that you want to start your own podcast, you might be thinking, well David, that's great, but what do I do? How do I do this? You know, what works, what doesn't work, right? Well, I wrote a book. Because you can go back and find my episodes where I talk about all this stuff and listen to them. And that's all well and good. But sometimes it's easier just to have it in print where you can just see it, right? So, I wrote the book called Introduction to Podcasting. Lessons learned, lessons shared. You can pick it up on Amazon on Kindle for 99 cents. Less than a dollar. What? That's crazy, right? Less than a dollar, you can pick it up on Kindle. If you like to have a print book in your hands and you just like the way it feels, and trust me, I'm looking at this book right now, it's really well printed. I love Kindle publishing. You can pick it up for $5.50. So you can have a physical copy where you can take notes, where you can you know, keep stuff for quick reference while you're working on creating that awesome epic podcast that I know you're capable of creating. So by all means, if you're looking for ways, you're looking for advice, Introduction to Podcasting, Lessons Learned, Lessons Share is the book for you. Thank you guys. And I could not do any of this without your support. So when I say thank you, I mean it. Thank you.